is going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of the In The Round podcast. We got Matt hanging out with you. And today we got a very special guest. We got our good buddy, Mr. Rowdy Rob Williford. Um, he's a heavy hitter here in town. Uh, comes out in the road, plays guitar with a guy you might have heard of named Mr. Luke Combs. And uh, we're looking forward to talking with him. Got to tell you all real quick about our sponsors here on In The Round Podcast. Going to give a shout out to our friends at Saxman Studios, Grady Saxman and the boys. They're big believers of what everybody does here in Music City. And if you're looking to record a demo, you're looking to put out a badass project, looking to work with great people here in Nashville, Tennessee, check out our friends at Saxman Studios. We love them very much, and uh, we appreciate their support within the round and with our Songwriters Nights at Live Oak. Which, speaking of Songwriters Nights, we got a killer one tomorrow. We're super, super stoked for it. We got Sean Stemley on there. We got our old buddy Noah Hicks. We have got. All kinds of different people on there. Tyler Halverson, Minnie Paolizzi, Josh Phillips, Joy Beth Taylor, Tristan Merez, Casey Tindall, Josh Kaiser. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So uh, we have that going on tomorrow at Live Oak. Also got to keep the list of sponsors going. Our friends at Whale Tail Media, Whales and the Boys, they have you covered. You're getting hitched. You're looking for content, brand marketing, anything. Uh, the folks at Whale Tail Media, they have you covered. Check them out at whaletail.com. And then last, but certainly not least, our friends in the green world, Trailside CBD Emporium, Delta 8 THC. It's legal, it's hemp-derived, it's awesome, and man, oh man, it freaking works. So make sure you check them out. Use the promo code ITR at checkout for 20% off your order. And they'll do free delivery. They'll do all kinds of good stuff for you. So make sure you check them out, trailsidecbd.com, promo code ITR. Now, without further ado, let's get into this one, our conversation with Mr. Rob Williford. Buddy, thanks for hanging. Uh, the observatory that we're in right now, bro. You're very brave. Dude, this place is awesome. Like, I, I mean, all the shit you got on the wall. Dude, you got freaking golden tea in the corner. Hey, don't be telling too much about the observatory. Don't be telling. All right, all right, all right. It is. Hey. We are in a disclosed location, hanging out with our good buddy, <laughs> Mister Rob Williford. Uh, Rowdy, how you doing, man? Uh, I could not be more blessed, brother. And now that you're here, uh, even more so. So thank you for asking me to be on your your podcast. Thank you for coming out to Mount Juliet, Tennessee, uh, Wilson County, and coming to the observatory. Dude, I'm a I'm a big fan, and. Uh, being outside of town is kind of nice. I'm I'm in Antioch right now. That's where I live at. So I I lived in Antioch for about a year. I feel like everybody's lived in Antioch at least once. It's a rite of passage. It is a rite of passage. You, you learn yeah. a thing or two living in the other other L.A. You know, you got Los Angeles, you got Louisiana, you got Lower Alabama, and then you got Lower Antioch. You know, I can't it's, think of the term Lower Alabama without thinking of Lainey Wilson. <laughs> it's like I hear her sing that. Whenever anyone says that. Yeah, dude, same here. Uh, now, you've been in town for a minute now, right? You, you were saying, what, collectively, what, like 12 years or something? Yeah, man, I got to a certain age where I stopped kind of keeping track of time uh, as it relates to years. You know, I think that's me being afraid of getting old. But, yeah, if I do the math, which I'm really terrible at, uh, I moved here in 2006 for the first time, lived here for about three and a half years, Moved back to Charlotte, and then I moved back to Nashville from Charlotte in 2013. So if you add it all up, yeah, it's, it's right around 12 years. So what caused you to move here first? Like, was it wanting to do the... What, Be, being what, an what, idiot. What was young Rob <laughs> Williford thinking of moving to Nashville? And you said, uh, what, like, 06? 06, man. I, I had gone to 
the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill for my freshman year. Uh, ironically, I'm a Duke Blue Devil fan. We don't have to get into that. It's a long story. <laughs> I have, you'll learn, you'll learn, even in this short podcast, I have a lot of issues. Uh, but that was one of them. I went to Carolina for a year, and I dropped out, broke my mama's heart. <laughs> and I just wanted to do country music, man. I was in a band in my hometown. I'm from a little town called Gastonia, North Carolina. Shout out, gateway to, uh, Charlotte is the gateway to Gastonia. But it's a little town southwest of Charlotte, and I was in a band with two guys. Uh, we were called 74 South Bam. And we moved out here and just started playing on Broadway and anywhere we could, anywhere. And uh, I moved out here to do that. And to kind of back it up a little bit, um, in 2004, I believe it was, I came to a CMA Fest. Never been to Nashville. And uh, fell in love with the city, first of all. And even at that young of an age. But I saw Dirks Bentley uh, come out in Titan Stadium on the end of the thrust, I was 16 years old, and I remember very vividly he came out, just him and acoustic guitar, uh, playing two chords and, and played, Come a little closer, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And right then and there, I was like, well, that's it. That's what I want to do. And I'm not kidding. I, since that moment, I have not stopped being obsessed with writing songs and country music. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And, and you think of 2004, Nashville, very different place. In oh, 2000, man. Hell, 2006 to now. Hell, 2013 to now. You've seen, like, the evolution of kind of Nashville over the last 20 you know, or so years. You know what's interesting that you say that? Because I remember being here, uh, like, when I had just moved here in 06, I lived actually in Donaldson uh, off of Elm Hill Pike. And uh, I remember meeting people even then that had lived here in the 80s, 90s, and uh, early 2000s, and they were talking about, even then, they were like, Nashville is a completely different place, and it would blow your mind. And, and now I've kind of seen it in three different sections. And, uh, man, I wonder what it's going to look like in 2030. I mean, right? it, the aliens will certainly have come back by then. But I agree. I agree with you 100%. There'll be spaceships landing somewhere, somewhere, man. We can get into that a little bit later. Um, what were some of the bars that you were hanging out at when you first came to town in like 2013? Like what was because you go you go home too, and I mean we got we got to talk about um, talk about your buddy uh, Mr. Luke Combs that that you that you met. You said what in 2013, and then you end up coming back here. What was that kind of saga <laughs> like, real quick? Then we'll get into the yeah. bars. So to get us to that point in the Cliff Notes version of it all, um, the abridged version. Basically, I lived here and I. And me and those other two guys in the band from my hometown, we played uh, in bars and on Broadway. And um, after a couple of years, you know, we ended up moving back home. And and those guys got married and had children. And uh, and I still keep up with them. And they both have, they're both fantastic human beings. Uh, but I never quite let go. I was so resentful. I was so resentful to myself because I was playing in bars in in Charlotte on the weekends, really for the attention of women and free alcohol and uh you know watching guys like eric church lee bryce jared neiman jake owen that kind of class of that i had watched when i had moved there kind of start to take off i then became really cynical and uh and by the grace of god i kind of had a, an epiphany moment to where i acknowledged that and and i woke up on a wednesday and i and i moved here and we can talk about that 
But had I not had that like singular moment of going, oh, I'm just kind of pissed off because I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, that was why I came back here. And so when I came back here, I came back with the intent of, no, I want to write songs. That's what I want to, even if I was going to fall on my face, like I knew I desperately wanted for the first time in my life to do nothing but invest in the idea that I could write country music. Yeah, and did you have a lot to say at that time? Because if you're going through some shit, like, I feel like that's such a big thing for songwriters is, like, you go through kind of these tips as a writer. Yeah, but I wasn't even to the point of dealing with that. I was I was still so far away from, I was delusional to what it was to be, uh, to be a songwriter in Nashville. I was so far away from it. At that point, I was trying to chase the radio. I was trying to write songs that I had heard, right? And you know, that's a, that's that's everyone goes through it. Almost yeah. everyone goes through it, especially early on. Early which, on, you have to, which is tough when you're when you are early on because you really. And I'm still early on. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the I'm in the absolute. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like, I want to be. I don't shy away from the fact. Like, I want to be Dean fucking Dylan. Yeah, I want to be Tony Lane. I want to be Jonathan Singleton. Yes. Yeah. In ten years, I want to be Jonathan Singleton. And, and he knows he's got 10 years on me. And I love that. Like, I, I love that. I love yeah. that kind of, like, I'm very intent about that's what I want to be, right? So I, I think I have to have this kind of self-awareness of <laughs> I have no clue. I still have no clue in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but I do know now at least I'm smart enough to uh, look towards those people and go, I want to learn from them. Whereas before it was like, oh, I just want to get out here and get a publishing deal. And I crave this validation of I wanted, you know, the, the industry, I wanted my peers, I wanted that validation, and the more I get into it, the more I realize how misguided and misplaced that was. Yeah, no, it's and it's it's great that you can you can look back on that now. Who were some of the folks that you were looking up to early on, and who were some of your like early co-writers? Like, who was that crew? Because for a lot of times, you just you're just writing with your friends, and then it takes some one of these heavy hitters out there to kind of kind of take a chance with writing with you, or like just kind of weird shit to happen. Who were some of those folks early on for you? Also, I realize I have skipped both your questions. Oh, you're good. We'll get back to it. We got yeah. plenty of time, bro. As podcast. far as how I met Luke, I was out here trying to get a publishing deal. Uh, in 2013, I was lucky enough to get a publishing deal at this bullshit. Uh, we don't need to go there. I, I got uh, my first publishing deal and uh, thought I had really made it. And boy, was I ever so wrong. But the connection was um, my high school science teacher. I went to a little private Christian high school called Gaston Christian. And uh, Miss Lenora Crabtree. She was my science teacher, I think biology specifically. Um, probably got that wrong. You know, probably screwed that up. But <laughs> I do know uh, I was in Boy Scouts with her son, Sam. Sam was going to Appalachian State University. Oh, shit. So this is, okay, because yeah. I know Sam. That's yeah. I didn't know about all this. Yeah. That's wild. And so she was like, hey, I know you're in, uh, in Nashville. My son is rooming with a guy at App State. He's got a really great voice. I think you should meet him. He wants to be a songwriter and of course i'm going no nah, i ain't got time to meet that guy i'm out here i'm a real songwriter you know <laughs> stupid stupid yeah just i look back on it i'm like this is why i taught i am very very honest about how delusional i was and still am to a certain extent and you have to be if you're a dreamer but i met luke that way and you know the running joke has always been when we met we it wasn't like we high-fived and became boys you know, I was pretty pretentious, young, immature, cocky, arrogant. Take your pick, and uh, and I think Combs, you know, he he knew what he wanted to do, and and just like I say, I want to be Dean Dillon. Luke knew that he wanted to be. I'll never forget. We played our showcase one time, and one of these big label execs came out, and this is super 
make no mistake, this is intimidating for anybody. No matter how long you've been here, no matter how talented you are, that's intimidating. And this guy comes out, and you know, he's like, oh, well, "Son, what do you, where do you see yourself in your music?" And Combs didn't even break stride. He just said, oh, "I want to be Garth Brooks." And, and there was like a hush that fell over all these A and R suit wearing people. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, I love that." You know, he's he's like Michael Jordan. He wants the ball in his hands. Yeah. He feels most comfortable behind a microphone, and that's why I tell people like, if you want to be an artist, like if you want to come out here and do it. You should be chomping at the bit to play your best songs. You should be chomping at the bit to be playing any gig in front of anybody. You should never think that you're too good to play any gig. That's ridiculous. And you should be wanting to get out and and, and do it and play. Amen, dude. Amen. What were those initial gigs like? With, like, Lu- with yeah, Luke? Yeah, where you, yeah, like where you guys were doing the, the bars and, and the Mexican restaurants. It was lightning. And- it was lightning. Uh, Luke and I, I think I can talk about this. Probably not. I mean, I'll probably get fired. I don't know what, what I can do and can't do these days to be honest with you but uh i'm a pretty honest guy luke and i wrote a song about this very thing and i'm I'm hoping uh knock on wood that it'll be on the album uh, but it was it was absolute uh there's no other f- feeling like it because it was a couple of guys a couple of buddies like going on stage and playing in front of crowds that uh, we, there was nothing to lose. There was nothing. There was no expectation. There was no pretense. There was no kind of pressure. It, I, I only equate it to like when it's the Cinderella team and the NCAA tournament. It's like you know, once they get to that Sweet Sixteen, it's like oh, they're they just it's momentum is what it is. Yeah, they just don't stop. It's momentum, and yeah. and Cappy is big on that. Uh, but man, those days were were electric, and but in the same way, just in a different. Uh, different places now, but when did, when did it start feeling like oh shit, this is like something, something that can, something that could happen? Like even before, even before you guys go out and tour with Brantley and do all that stuff, right. like was there a moment like playing, playing the the circuit of, of the Peachtree circuit with good old, good old Brad, uh-huh. good old uh, Uncle Ronnie, Bradley Jordan, and yeah, all those they, guys. Well, there's all there's like all these kind of chapters in the journey, and and that's definitely one of them. I would say as far as like those early bars, Zydeco. Oh, dude, I love that. Place. Shout out Lane in dude, Zydeco. It's it's a it's it's a shithole, but it's a shithole that you're proud of, and it just has this energy it's and this energy. electricity and it's energy. There's the something room. about that Birmingham crowd, and I see it now working working with Trey. I mean, right? He, he came up, he couldn't even play like this time last year. He would he would have been happy to play downstairs Zydeco, and now we, we sold it out like five six months ago. But the electricity, and for you guys, when was that initial gig? Would you want to say at Zydeco? Um, 2014. I think the the very first gigs were 2015 when when Bradley came into the picture, and those gigs were Zydeco, uh, Brewhouse, Rome Brewhouse, dude, big one, dude. God bless Rome, Georgia. You know, a lot of that Georgia, South Georgia, you know, Statesboro, bro, the Blue Room, dude, Valdosta. Oh boy, the Gin and Tifton. Yep. Shout out JD. Um. But uh, Coyote Joe's would be yes. number one on the list. But I'm trying to think, like, even before that, like the early, early stuff. The tin, we, we did the Tin Roof Circuit, you know, in, like, Columbia, Louisville, uh, Lexington. Did you go down to Del Rey? No. Or you would never, you want to do the Florida ones? We, I, I, we never. Man, we played, like, one. <laughs> we played in Jacksonville. And I know Ryan Nelson remembers this gig. Because I got rowdy with him and his brother <laughs> that night. Oh, Colin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but we didn't play much in Florida. 
Because it was everything you needed. Everything was it was mostly what Carolina, Georgia, Alabama. Alabama was a big one. Oh, we uh, Hattiesburg. Oh, bro, Brewskis. 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 We were just there a couple weeks ago. I love that. I know place. I'm forgetting a uh, bo- boathouse. Yep, Myrtle. Myrtle. Wendell's Dippin' Branch, dude. We we did we so we did that one, and it's and it's funny. Man, I mean, you get me all fired up because I ain't played a show. Like we ain't played a show, and now I think it's fourteen months or something like that. And I'm going now that you're talking about all these places, and I'm like every place we've named, I've recalled a really inappropriate, to be honest, a really inappropriate <laughs> memory. But I'm like it reminds me of all the good stuff. And by this point, I'm ready to just go right now. Let's go pack up the truck yeah throwing an amp we're going down to windows dipping branch and i'm just getting in with the house band yeah dude this weekend you can catch me down there <laughs> <laughs> dude i mean because that's the thing too i mean you do quite a few things here in here in town you know i mean obviously you're, you're out on the road playing songwriting as you said has been like a day one thing for you like this is kind of a big reason for you for you to be here in 2020 you can write a lot of songs but you're not you lose the other half of what you're doing like your identity so, in a way. What was that like? That's a, really the best way to put it. So, my life had become it. It it got into a really good place, like a place that I'd I'd worked very hard to get it. But my life was very um, two dimensional. Half of the time, and I'd argue uh, later on, it became way more than half the time. But half the time, it was going and and getting on a tour bus and traveling and playing shows and being a guitar player which I love you know that's how it all started when I was 13 I picked up a guitar because I wanted to learn Metallica fuck you know like and then I still want to be a fucking rock star that's at the end of the day I still want to be it's the same thing that attracted me to watching Driver Williams at an Eric Church show you know and and so that my joy and my passion is deeply rooted in performing the other half of it was getting to come off the road and pop into this kind of creative headspace to where you get to uh, take your imagination and just turn it loose. And you get to pull things out of thin air. And then you take those things out of thin air and you put them to a, a lyric and a melody. And if you're lucky enough, you get to go back out and take those things on the road and watch them grow and watch people come and, and sing the songs. And there's nothing, truly nothing more fulfilling, fulfilling than having that kind of happen in real time together and so when one of those things was just cut off abruptly yeah it was like losing half of myself and and at first it was like like an exhale because we had been going pretty hard yeah how long did you think this break was gonna be because i remember being with gary and charlie and thinking like oh maybe we'll maybe we'll be out in april oh maybe we'll be out in may like when did it kind of set in like things are fucked I don't really remember. It all kind of seems like a blur. I do know that in May, the first week of May, I got a boat because I. <clears throat> that was when I had acknowledged and accepted, all right, this is outside of my control. I don't really give a shit how long it is, but I do know it's going to be long enough that I can learn how to bass fish. And like a lot of people don't know, I love to fish, um, which people do know, but I grew up wanting to be a professional fisherman before I ever picked up a guitar. Oh, no shit. Yeah, but I never knew how to bass fish. And so this whole, like, the bass thing is brand new, and, uh, yeah, that that was a direct result of just accepting that we are not going to be on the road this year. So I'd say probably May, a oh, year, yeah, a year yeah. ago, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's where, I mean, and then you talk about your – 
you're you're a songwriter and you're you're out there you're you're in a band you've been doing it for a long time mm. you finally put out a song on on your own as as Rob Williford mm. was that a reflection <laughs> of 2020 as well like cuz oh, that, that song's <clears throat> deep and i relate to a lot of the shit that you talk about man that song was nothing more and uh sometimes i forget about it and i think that's a very healthy thing but that song was nothing more than cuz i put that out in june yeah and it was talking about not only the uh the pandemic and kind of the weirdness around that but the kind of my whole life up until that point it was nothing more than a cathartic uh i didn't care if one person listened to it and i was very humbled that people did and you know i, I got a lot of people that re- reached out and said very kind moving things impactful things and that made my soul happy but i selfishly did that for two reasons one as kind of a cathartic kind of therapeutic thing and then uh the other reason i did it was to not be a puss i had always said that uh i was tired of being insecure and and caring about uh you know my lack of vocal ability or or my lack of guitar ability or i was done with all that i was like no i just want to write a song and i want to put it out and prove to myself that i can do that and and so in that way it was more of like a middle finger and and nobody knew that and i didn't need anybody to know that but i knew that yeah, and for like I said, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff in there because I don't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. There, are, my my parents are divorced. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's lines in there and yeah, stuff. Cool. So, thank you for putting that out. I oh, remember thanks, seeing man. that. I was like, oh shit, Rowdy Rowdy Rob put out a song. You know, That's I, cool. It, it's a very layered thing, and and we can move on from it. But yeah, to me, it was like, okay, I always get. At, I think the number one question I get is like, what advice do you have for writing songs? in some way shape or form some iteration of that question and i usually answer with with something like you know <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is right hard and clear about what hurts and it, it, sometimes we're able to do that and sometimes we're able to maybe tap into another emotion that we aren't experiencing in that moment in real time but i'm like all right if you want to challenge yourself robert that i call myself that name if, if you hear me say robert then i'm either probably uh, I've lost it or I'm punishing myself because I'm talking to myself like my mother. But I say, Robert, like, if you're going to tell people to write hard and clear about what hurts, like, you should do that too. All right, let's do it. And so I kind of tried to hit every single thing, like my relationship with my father, my parents' divorce, my uh, struggle with substance abuse for a lot of my life, uh, my toxic relationships I, I try to really hit on the things yeah. that i think most but, people try to ignore or avoid all the yeah, time but it's shit that everybody, everybody in one way or another everybody. runs into Hell yeah. whether it's you're going through it yourself or you see a loved one going through it or it's impacting your life yeah. in some way so i'm i appreciate you talking about that too and all that now another song that you were a part of and i see the plaques for it on on the wall here and all, all the cool shit one number away man what, what went into that one what was your role and that how- was that that will always be a very special song for a lot of reasons. It was mine and Luke's first number one together. Uh, it was also like one of the very first songs we wrote together. Um, but yeah, that was one of those true story songs. Um, we co-wrote it with uh, a guy named Stephen Batty and, and Sammy Mitchell. And Stephen had this the kind of the melody thing, I'm one number away. And I'd had this idea in my phone uh, called One Headlight Away that I was going to write as a joke song because I'd heard of a guy that like had gotten busted. He got pulled over and arrested because he had a headlight out and he had like three pounds of weed in his trunk. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, dude, you were one <laughs> headlight away from getting home that night. 
Yeah. Anyways, so then we kind of went in it, but it was like mine and Luke's. I remember coming home and I, I sent that to my mom, and my mom didn't get it. She was like, oh, "It's got a lot of words in it." <laughs> but I remember thinking, I was like, "This is one of the first songs I felt like." No, I I think this is pretty good, and I went with Dustin Huff to Panama City. Now I'm 26 years old, going to Panama City for the first time with a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year olds, and which was a terrible mistake. But we went down there and played that. We had the demo of it, and I'm not kidding, man. By the end of the week, the entire hotel, this huge condominium place, was playing One Number Way. It's crazy. And that was kind of my first experience with watching a, a song kind of catch wildfire. That's freaking awesome, man. Panama City. You, you've a, seen that firsthand. Yeah, I've seen that from sitting in the backyard. Sitting, and I met all those guys from playing fucking kickball, bro. We were playing pickup <laughs> kickball games at the Belmont softball field. We had the commissioner, Alex Maxwell, putting together kickball games. And me and Ryan Nelson would have sigs in the outfield and all all that stuff. And and first time I heard heard Trey, well, but the DDID stuff, it was actually one of the writers playing it around a bonfire yeah. in somebody's backyard you know it's like it's so cool that that's another part of nashville is we get to experience music things so organically that's the best part that people take i'm gonna i'm sorry i got a rant on this no what I'm do you so got sorry. no you're good dude. Well, the reason i don't do a lot of rounds uh and and i only kind of i play rounds that i have a personal attachment to yeah which i appreciate you playing <laughs> my, ours, my man. neighbor across the street owns the listening room yeah chris he's great i love the listening room I think it's a great venue. I'll play there. And I'm not trying to act like, oh, I'm too good to play around. It's not that. But if it's somebody I know or a friend or something, I'm all about it. But the thing that that kind of burdens me in this town is I go to these rounds, and I see these kids that like move here to want to be songwriters and all this shit. And I see them talking and giving zero shits about who's on stage or what's being sung. And I'm not talking about like people. I'm talking people singing hits, people singing timeless music, people singing songs that like, I've watched a Hall of Fame songwriter be on stage, and these kids don't even know his, his first name. And I go, it's great to get out and network. It's great to get out and meet people. And being social, we've kind of been starved from that aspect of our lives, and I think it's important. But the thing that bothers me is that you, the coolest thing in this town that we take for granted is you get to experience songs organically before anybody else does. The entire world at one point may hear the song and know it, and you're going to be like, oh, I knew that song when it was cool. Well, then act like it. Like, go out and listen. Shut up. Yeah, what were those around that you've been very attached to and that you've kind of, your class, like, it's funny how people talk about, like, Nashville, mm -hmm. like, high school classes and stuff. You were part, I mean, you've seen Revival grow into the monster right. that it is, Whiskey Jam. What were those early days of Revival and Whiskey Jam? People like went out and listened guys? to the songs. Right? Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like the old man saying, get off my lawn. Back in my I day. But I kind of am. Because I'm going... If you really want to learn, because I know, dude, I've I've been here long, as long as most people, but like some people have been here longer, and then some people come to town, just it works out quicker. And it is what it is. But I've been here long enough to know that like I, for a long time, did a lot of things wrong, and if I can help anyone circumvent doing those things. So when I see people go out and like and play a bunch of rounds, and, and that's great. Get out and play as many rounds as you can. Also, like, remember, it's a, in my opinion, it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's the thing that 
I wake up every day and get inspired by, I get goosebumps from it. I think it's what moves people to tears. We have all that kind of magic here in this town. Don't take advantage of it. Like, shut the fuck up. Get off your phone. Quit talking loud. If, if you're here to watch, these people are playing. They put There's a lot of time and effort that goes oh, into this. Man. And this is, this is their shot. And I mean, especially with playing around traditionally, you, you do have people sitting back and listening. Whereas you're playing, like you talked about back in the day, the Tin Roof Circuit or mm-hmm. like other places where the crowd's just kind of there, you know, or even on Broadway yeah, where the right. crowd's just That's there. They're always different. Yeah. People are there to be entertained. Yep. People are there to get drunk and have a good time. So everything has its place, right? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if, if you want to go do a songwriter round or, or have a songwriter night, which yours is great, by the way. And that's Thank why, you. And that's why I play it. Thank you. Um, and I think Live Oak has done a really good job at, Dude, at having, you know. I, <clears> well, love, just, I love Live look, Oak. man, it's just simple. Like, put a little, give a fuck. Just give, yeah. get, just care enough. You care a little yeah, bit more. Have a, than, have a good sound guy. Mm-hmm. Have have a good have a good stage. Have actually give a shit and like get to know the writers yeah. and all that, man. And that's why I think it's become such a cool hub. When was the first time you guys played Whiskey Jam? Uh, man, I should know this. I want to say it was. I do know it was right around the time, coincidentally, that we wrote One Number Away. So I want to say February of twenty fifteen ish. That was and was it full band or was it just you and Luke acoustic? Just me and Luke. And oh, I remember this. Uh we had gone I knew this guy named Kurt Ozon. Dude, I fucking love the content king. Love Kurt. Yeah, I actually knew Kurt well before I knew Luke. Um and Kurt and I played in various bands together. Um and I used to joke with him like, Hey, whenever it's time I'm hiring you and sure enough, that's how it played out. But I told Luke, I said, hey, I know this guy. He lives over in this apartment complex. He's a weirdo. He's got a cat. <laughs> and he's, he's all right at Dobro. Like, listen. And I hit up Kurt. I was like, hey, man, you want to play Whiskey Jam? And we went over on Kurt's balcony right down there, like a block away from Winters, and went up. And this, I'm pretty sure this video is still on YouTube. But we learned, that's Kurt learning Hurricane on Dobro. Like, if you listen, the lick is not, there's no sig lick. Because yeah. the song hadn't been recorded. And so we're all just kind of, thumbing through it and that was the first time I'm pretty sure that we played Whiskey Jam and then Kurt went with us and played hell yeah that's freaking freaking dope dude yeah and and watching Kurt like kind of go on to I mean he just is he's in everything dude he really is everything he really is it's awesome though because I look at that and I go like you want to see a good blueprint of like what great attitude being a great guy hard work and talent all looks like that's the guy that's Kurt you want to you want to come in town and like and do music <laughs> you want to make it yeah. quotations around it like look at that guy yeah and he's doing the the personality stuff now too he's working with our old buddy Nikki T which how did you meet the Ray's Rowdy guys what was the first time <laughs> when was the first time that that's Rowdy Rob met Ray's Rowdy I'm gonna guess it was up north somewhere you know I, I have no clue I really don't know, but what's funny to me about that is I think it kind of all went down because, and to this day, I still get hit up because people think I run that. Because you're Rowdy Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think that's how at least I was introduced to Nick or Ray's Rowdy was that I kept getting all these messages and kept getting tagged in this stuff. Raised Rowdy, Raised Rowdy, Raised Rowdy stuff. And then from there, uh, I remember me and Nick kind of went back and forth because he had this idea. Um to do a Raised Rowdy Waffle House hat. I remember the this rowdy, hat. The Rowdy oh, Waffle yeah. yeah, Classic Raised Rowdy hat. So I want to I say, uh, man, it had to be, right? Somewhere maybe in PA. Probably Jurgles or Dusty Armadillo. 
Jer- if it was at, if it was at a venue, yeah, Jurgles is like the what Pittsburgh. A name. Dude, I haven't it been there Jurgles, yet, but yeah. I've heard the, I've heard stories of many stories of Jurgles. That's like Ray's Rowdy's breeding ground and a country concert. Oh, I, I do know the I've, festival out. I do in know Ohio. I met him there. I do know I met him there. Yeah, he's a pretty unforgettable guy. <laughs> yeah, and having what they're doing in Nashville right now, I mean, hell, they just had uh just had the uh, the Makeway takeover and stuff. Yeah, and I saw that, that man. I was really, really. And when I say really, I mean really sad. I had flown back from Key West uh, that day, and <laughs> uh, I had rented a car and was driving. Um, I so I drove like the first little bit and then flew. Anyways, long story short, I I got in later than I had anticipated and was worn out and I didn't go. But Kurt Facetimed me during uh, Forever After All, which, by the way, like you want to, this is Kurt Fan Club Hour here, but like. It was his birthday. Yeah. That was for his birthday, and he had, like, the mindfulness to pick up the phone and FaceTime me to let me hear that song we wrote. And, and hear the crowd yeah, just like that's a good friend. belting it back. That's a good friend. It's, like, the best. So, yeah, man, I was really, really bummed I did not get to go to that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't make it either. It was one of our friend's birthdays, and we ended up on a boat till about 6. And you know how, you know how, those, yeah, you know how those pontoon birthday boats <laughs> go out on Percy Priest. You, you I don't, do, but I would like to this th- summer. They are, they are. yeah. I think, I think Nikki T was talking about doing a raised rowdy one, so I'm sure we could oh, all we'll get a whole fleet out I there of just the rowdiest I'm going to be out there in my bass boat. You know? Oh, yeah, you'll be just I'm so, out there. People don't realize, and maybe they do, and I just flatter myself, but I'm a redneck. Like, and there's part of me that gets kind of bugged by, like, I don't get to do redneck shit as much as I want, I think, is the fair thing to say. Yeah. <clears throat> and some of that's in an effort to become just kind of a more of an adult. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I would love to get out there on my bass boat and, like, anchor up with a bunch of pontoons and, and kick it on Percy Priest. Like, that yeah. sounds exceptional. Yeah, man. So you say redneck stuff. Who's your favorite NASCAR driver? Oh, dude, there was only one NASCAR driver, and I quit being really a, a huge NASCAR fan after he died, Dale. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like playing? You guys did the uh, the 500 this year, right? We did, man. I got the... Uh, what the fuck was that oh, like? Oh, it's not over here. It's getting framed right now, but I got a uh, the... Whatever the sheet is, the pole order from oh, the Daytona over there. No shit. Yeah, it, it was incredible, because I did... That's one thing I, I did grow up watching with my dad was the Daytona 500. And so, you know, being there and and kind of, it was odd because they only let about 30,000 people in. And the place is so huge. I want to say it holds like, what, 120? Again, math is not my thing. But it was strange because it looked empty, but it wasn't. There were people there, so that was still kind of cool. Actually, at that moment, we were the biggest event crowd-wise that had happened in 2021 in the U.S. And then... Uh, like Texas is open now, so yeah, they're yeah. doing doing Texas shit. Hell yes, yeah. You like going out to Texas? Texas uh, is awesome. Um, I love Fort Worth. Yeah, I think Fort Worth's one of like the most underrated areas because we've we've gone through and done done that too. And uh, Bucky's, bro. Yeah, let's Bucky's. Go. Let's what, go. what was your first Bucky's <laughs> experience like? Because let's talk about that as road guys. Yeah, we went on a. I'm sure there was one before, but we went on a tour out west with Corey Smith in 2016 and we I mean we started in Kansas and we went all the way out west down California back through Arizona and Texas and that was I remember we did like Lubbock Texas uh of course Fort Worth we did Billy Bob's but I think that was definitely my introduction to Bucky's 
Yeah, dude. How would you describe it to someone who's never been? There's a couple places like this. Um, it's everything that you never knew you needed. Yeah, I mean, is you, what, what I'd say. You can get deer corn, a pair of jeans, and a brisket sandwich. Yeah, we, uh, like south of the border. You ever heard of that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we'll be running up on that soon with uh, the Carolina runs that we've got. I've never stopped, but I've driven past it. You ever been to Carroll's? I have not been to okay. Carroll's. What's Carroll's? South Georgia, I think. Uh, there's a place called Carroll's. It's like peanuts, Carroll's peanuts or something like that. But it's literally in the middle of nowhere. But, yeah, you can go in there and it's they got anything and everything you could dream of. Also some really great apparel. Yeah, I might have to might have to hit that next time we're in yeah, South Georgia. It sounds freaking cool. Where's your favorite place to go on the road? Uh, uh, not outside the state of North Carolina yeah. and the venues that we talked about earlier, you know. So I know I know like I know uh I know Coyote Joe's Joe's is going to be up there on the top of the list and all that stuff, but where's the place you were like I don't I, you didn't think you were going to like it, but you fucking was I unreal. I do at some point want to talk about Coyote Joe's cuz it needs its own section. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um I have a couple of them. I'm just going to kind of try to go geographically in my head, <clears throat> starting in the Northeast. Guilford, New Hampshire. Bro, the best amenities you will run into are like... And people. Yes, yeah. New Hampshire, baby, live free or die. New Hampshire, the people in New Hampshire are, in my opinion, the epitome of Southern hospitality, just without the y'all, Yeah. without the accent. Uh, <clears throat> moving from there, I really love Kansas City. Um, I really love Fort Worth. I mentioned San Diego just because of how beautiful it is. Um, Maui, <laughs> I gotta Maui, I gotta put Maui in there. Fucking Hawaii. <laughs> when the when the fuck did you go to Hawaii? <laughs> I just well, we actually played in Honolulu. No shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about. I'm sorry, I got distracted. No, you're good. I was thinking about the U.S. Have you uh, been Have you been overseas? Yeah, we've done. Three, I think we've done three, two or three. What's that like? What's playing country music to a crowd oh, in Europe? Sydney, like? Australia is crazy. Sydney Australia? Australia? Sydney, Australia is my favorite place. That's your favorite. If place? If I had to pick one place on earth, Sydney, Australia. Why? You know, I don't know. It's like, why is your favorite color green? Um, what's your favorite color? My what's my favorite color? Yeah. I'll say blue for the Yankees after last night. Okay. Well, as a kid, what was your favorite color? Probably, probably blue. Okay. Yeah, it's just one of the things. I don't know, dude. It, the combination of my experience there, it, we played it, I think, the first time in 2018. So, like, I got to hear a couple, you know, like, One Number Way was out and Beautiful Crazy was out. So, I got to hear, you know, 50,000 people in Australia singing these songs. Pretty surreal for a kid like me. Yeah, what's an Australia crowd like? Are they into it? Oh, like, the most into it. Just ravenous, wild, all the... yeah. All the things about Americans without the bad things about Americans. You know? <laughs> That's Australia. <laughs> yeah, because they, they're they're awesome. Like they party, and and they do whatever they. Everyone kind of does whatever they want to do, and it's cool, you know. Uh, at least in my experience there. Yeah. You know, it was it was very much uh, high energy, uh, which Europe is kind of the same way. Europe, they either love you or they hate you but they will let you know which one it is yeah 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 is there a place in america that lets you know if they love you or hate you the northeast comes to mind yeah man we've been blessed to have just great i'm shows. sure you've just yeah i'm trying to think if there was also one. i did leave out I, I do like michigan 
Michigan's country. Have you guys done the machine shop in Flint? No. No? I just like Michigan as a state. I think it's the people I have met from Michigan uh, are badass. Yeah, like they're... And like, you Detroit's got the music scene, too. And you got Seeger, you got Kid Rock. Like, it's it's cool. I, I just think Michigan, I needed to make an honorable mention yeah. for the state. Yeah, now let's, let's, let's talk about Coyote Joes. Okay. For you, man, um, what was... The initial experience, like going there, because that's that's your backyard. Like, what was it like as a kid? I mean, as that being the venue to grow up going to, because we have some cool venues where I'm from in New York, but nothing quite. Because the Joe's just an instant experience. You got all the tax, the most tax I've ever seen in my life. We played when what, we played in uh, in 2019 when I was out with the Muscadine guys. We did Greenville and Charlotte back to back. And I was like, "There's a lot of taxidermy here at the Blind Horse Saloon." Then you go to Con- then you go to not Cotton Eye Joe's, Coyote Joe's, excuse me. Um, and there's ta- even more taxidermy and the nicest people. What's <clears throat> what's Coyote Joe's mean to you? So again, I grew up, born, raised in this town called Gastonia. Gastonia is off of I-85, and I-85 runs east and west, even though it's an odd interstate. It's supposed to go north and south. Anyways, if you take 85 north. You hop over about 10 miles east and get off, you're at Coyote Joe's. And so, as a teenager, loving country music, they would bring in national acts. You know, like, wasn't quite going to see Kenny Chesney, or we would always get the mega ticket where I was from, and it gave you basically, like, all the summer concert tickets at the Live Nation. At the time, it was called Blockbuster Pavilion, or Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, something yeah. like that. But... Joe's was where you'd see, you know, the regional and national acts come through that the people that I was listening to. And so I can remember 16, 17 years old, you had to be 18 to get in. And I can remember uh, going and there's like a back door area to the green room and I, I used to sneak in there. And so, and it was like those nights were... You know the Eli Young band, even if it breaks your heart. Oh yeah. You know that verse where he talks about going and listening to the bands play. Just yeah. Like that verse is it. He painted that. Will Hogue painted that so perfectly because that's where I would go and just like try to just soak it all in. And so as I you know grew up and ended up moving to Nashville, one of my very first dreams really was playing in Coyote Joe's. <laughs> so that place will always uh, have a special place in my heart. What was that first show like? Uh, so and and have you only played? Have you only been able to play there once, or did, were you guys able to hit it a, a few times? times? Yeah, uh, the first time I believe there were eight hundred people show up, but it was one of those things that like they expected us to have between two and three hundred. Yeah, where you just and you I, just dominate and I, the yeah, numbers. And, yeah, but it was like, and I remember, and Luke would back me up on this. It was definitely a feeling of. Nah, like y'all thought we weren't even going to bring people. Like, we'll be back. And the next time we came back, it was like 1,700. Yeah, it was slammed. And then after that was we did in 2016, we did two nights back-to-back, December 15th and 16th. I remember this because my birthday is the 14th. And it snowed. And those nights were insane. I mean, I think they probably put 3,000 people in there. <laughs> At least. <laughs> Which is just yeah. crazy. Like, that side room is just, like, yeah. wherever you could put a person, there's there's somebody there. Mm-hmm. And the electricity of the Carolina crowd and that being home for you. Now, who'd you grow up listening to? Who are some of your, like, 
musical influences and stuff. <clears throat> I see a lot of Eric yeah, Church yeah. shit on the walls here, yeah, so you, I figure he's he's the king for you. There are two people that are very uh, prevalent in this room. Eric's one of them. If you look over here, there's a I have a Keith Whitley corner, and then up top there, yeah, there he is. So yeah, Keith Whitley is who I consider to be the goat. You know, people use the term the goat. It's Keith Whitley and, and Eric Church is certainly Eric's important because of the kind of the uh mutual thing that brought Luke and I together was our love for the Sinners Like Me album. And so Luke being from Carolina and going to App State and a lot of that kind of similarity, I mean, it's easy to see why we uh are very heavily influenced by that guy. So yeah, he's he's around here a lot. Um, I was a big Travis Tripp fan. Hell yeah, growing up. Uh, but I, you got to think, man. Like, that's a really tough question for me because I could give you an hour on my songwriting influences. Like at the time, I was Jonathan Singleton, Randy Montana, Travis Meadows, um, Tom Douglas, Jesse Alexander. I could give you a hundred that I was. What's what was it like initially? Because those, those are folks that you'll. You'll write with mm-hmm. now, right? Like, right, what's right. it? What What's that feel like to grow up? Like, you're just naming off your like, songwriting is what you love. It's what you mm-hmm. moved here to do. You You just named off like who's like your top of now. You're writing with them. What, what What's that feel like? That's got to be pretty sick. Yeah, that is is pretty wild because, and, and it continues to be wild because I, you know, as time goes on, I end up meeting and and becoming friends with and a lot of times working with uh, those people that <clears throat> I would read the liner notes on these records and be like, oh, who is this, you know? Uh, and I want to get back to that because it's, it's kind of a full circle story for where I'm at with publishing. But as far as, like, who was I listening to? I, so I grew up, my favorite band is Matchbox 20. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. A lot of people don't know that. The reason I go by Rob is Rob Thomas, and that's very serious. When I was in seventh grade, I thought, Rob Thomas was the coolest, and still do, the coolest cat, and I decided I wanted to go by Rob. And so I listened to, like, I think like my favorite is 2000s Rock, or, or that kind of, like, Hootie and the Blowfish, Gin Blossoms era. But I listened to everything. Like, I mean, I could you could catch me this morning bumping the Jack Harlow record, and then I'll go and listen to something like a Lori McKenna or from there, I'll go to... I was a huge Incubus fan. Hell yeah. Uh, my cousin has turned me on to Bob Marley and reggae. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I listen to classical music sometimes. I literally listen to everything. Even, with, with, even, with, even like rap and stuff? Are you a rap, hip-hop rap. guy? I love rap. Who's, your, who's the greatest MC of all time? Who's the greatest rapper of all time? <sighs> See, I, I don't feel qualified. <laughs> I really don't, man. I don't. I can tell you who I like. Yeah, who do you, who I do you love, like? I love Eminem. I'm, I'm a huge Eminem fan. I'm a huge Biggie fan, though, too. Yeah. I'm a huge... Uh, I, I love anything that the lyric and the craft of it, how it's delivered, hits me impactfully. And I don't care what the genre is. Because that's songwriting, too. When they're spitting no, out yeah. verses, I mean, that, that rap's about sometimes as vulnerable as no it doubt. can get. I mean, you listen to those Slim Shady records, those old old school Eminem, and even the the stuff that he put out most recently, mm. like, he's going in from the bottom of, bottom of his soul, just up and out. And I've gone through phases of different rappers, and like I'm a big Mac Miller fan. Yeah. Um, but, dude, I really and as I get older and and continue to do do music with the air quotes around it, I get weird about listening. Like, 
I have to try to listen to music in a way that it doesn't, it stays compartmentalized into me being the fan of music, especially country music. That's where it all started. Yeah. And so I'm very defensive about like, <clears throat> whenever I'm, if I get in the Jeep and I cut on XM, you know, I, I don't listen, I will listen to the highway. I love Buzz Brainer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, but I don't like get stuck on that. I'll go and some days I may go, Ooh, I want to go listen to, I want to go listen to the Thriller album today. I want to listen to Michael Jackson today or I want to listen to Fleetwood Mac today. I want to listen to an Eagles record today. I try to do it intently as far as like, it depends on what mood I'm in. I'm pretty moody cat. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Uh, and that to me is the beauty of music is I love country. It's, you know, it's what I resonate with in my soul, but I listen to everything. So yeah. that's a hard question for me. Yeah, no, dude. I I I feel that too. Like music, it's very much like the mood and all that stuff. I'm a serious XM guy too. I throw on like I'll throw on the highway every now and then, but I'll throw on like turbo. Like I'll throw on like the rocking rocking kind cool. of shit too and like mix that up. I very much get into uh like phases. So like right now right now I've been on a, like I said, a Jack Harlow kick. I've been on a Noah Gunderson kick. Oh shit. You okay. Yes, yeah. Dude, incredible. He's yeah. incredible. His riding is beautiful. Epic, yeah. Uh, Charlie Warsham's got a new tune out called Fist Through This Town that I love bumping. It's very angsty, yeah. Uh, it really appeases the angsty songwriter in me, the cynic. <laughs> now, uh, but yeah, man, as far as like things that uh influenced me growing up and what I listened to, I listened to just a lot of I'd say 90s country was, was Alan Jackson, uh, Brooks and Dunn. Um, my dad had he he wore out Brooks and Dunn, Diamond Rio, uh, Toby Keith, any of that kind of Black Hawk, Shenandoah, dude, yeah, you know the the stuff that like you crank on Randy Travis, George Strait. I just remember riding around with my grandparents and listening to those country stations. Reba McIntyre was at my first concert when I was six years old. Hell yeah, uh, Vince Gill, Patty Loveless, all that stuff is really where I got the, I think the bug in the year for country absolutely no that that's freaking awesome so you talk about um publishing now being being a full circle thing you were talking oh, yeah. about that what's what's going on i saw you signed something it was was it earlier this year or was it in 2020 it was in 2020 but if you are familiar with anything in nashville anything that you see has happened <laughs> oh yeah with like at least like so mo months same thing with hearing a song on the radio yeah that that damn song had been written 18 years before you hear it. You so know? when did this new pub deal, uh, when did this it, all come to be? It was like 2019. Okay. But why it's really full circle is, so when I am when I got off the boat here in town, you know, green as can be, two guys that I met, like the very first people I met were the Warren brothers. And Brad and Brett are their names. And uh, the kind of the connection there was, at the time, they were out on the road with Martina McBride opening up their duo. And I knew them from the liner notes on the Tim McGraw record. No shit. Yeah. They'd written a song called Blank Sheet of Paper, which was my favorite song off this particular record. Still is to this day. And so I met these guys, right? And, like, we ended up kind of working with them. Like, they gave... Remember, I played in this band, right? Well, they gave my my band their old, uh, like mic stands, which I still have. 
they're down in the garage. And I'm like, one day, one day I might sell them back to you. <laughs> but so I meet these guys and like kind of work with them, whatever. But I always admire them, you know, as songwriters. And so fast forward, I move back. Luke and I have, you know, this kind of whirlwind song, beautiful, crazy, wins song of the year, just pure like fairy tale stuff. And I was, so my first, my last publishing deal, I was with Warner Chapel, which I still am, but. Ben Vaughn, who was over there, I ran into him at a Christmas party, and he said, oh, I saw your buddy Brett Warren in Maui, actually, coincidentally, of all places, for a BMI event, and he was like, your boy Brett Warren said to hit him up and say hello, and I was like, huh, I need to reach out, and so I hit him up, and we ended up going to a juice bar, <laughs> uh, and I buy that strange series of events they were starting a publishing company with Tim McGraw and I was their first signing and so I'm like that to me that was so fulfilling as far as you know to to start for meeting those guys 15 years ago to now getting to be fortunate enough to, to work with them and, and not only that to write songs with them I will have a hit with the Warren Brothers I will have a hit the Warren Brothers, it th and they were the ones you were looked. You you found them from yeah. reading the reading Correct. the lines. That's yeah. yeah. I tell people all the time, like it's so cool. I know it's cliche, but like never let anyone limit your dreams. And I and I, earlier I was talking about being delusional. I think you have to be a bit of that delusion has to exist, and you kind of you can't limit the thought of or the scope of like what might happen. And this town is like a a pretty uh, powerful example of anything is possible. I'm, at least I'm a living, walking, Dude, talking I, example of that. Bro, I, I feel that, too. I mean, I moved here wanting to be in radio. Like, yeah. I moved here, like, wanting to work for, for 103.3 or, or Big 98, and I had talked with them about that. And radio goes down the shit. I bounced for my first year and a half here. I worked on Broadway. I was in the trenches, bro. I did CMA Fest, the NFL I Cup. love that, man. I, uh, yeah, I worked at, worked at Home Depot. I worked at Opera Mills. I worked at the movie theater, sweeping popcorn. I worked on the General Jackson Showboat. The General? Where's that at? It's right outside of Opera Mills on the Cumberland. It's a big, like, paddle boat. What were you doing there? It was a deck hand. And what this means is you take the rope, the big old rope, <laughs> and you tie the boat down. And at the time, I mean, I must have weighed about 140 pounds, soaking wet. And I was out there in the middle of January, these frozen ropes trying to, let's just say I didn't do good. I wasn't too good of a deck hand. <laughs> I didn't cut. I did construction. I worked at Best Buy selling phones. Um, I know I'm leaving stuff out, but yeah, man, I, I think it's important. You, I worked at CVS. It builds character doing that. To me, it's indicative of, and I'm not going to use names here to protect, well, they're not innocent, but one of my favorite quotes that I've got, and it was not meant as a compliment, but I always take it as that, was <clears throat> this guy that I uh, looked up to, or, or still look up to, songwriter, uh, told me one time, he was like, hey, the reason you'll make it is because you won't fucking leave. And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. That the people that want it bad enough to do whatever it takes to achieve or get themselves to where they want to be, that's the cream that rises. Uh, and some people accomplish it faster, and some people just got to tough it out and, and work harder, in my opinion. But the people that are willing to do that, they're always the ones that seem to be successful. 
Absolutely. And it's being able to manage your time, right? Like having to do what you got to do to pay the bills, to keep a roof over your head and keep gas in the car and all that stuff to, but also devoting enough time to your craft, to your craft. Yeah. So you were probably pulling long freaking days where you'd work a shift or, or dare I say a double shift and Mm -hmm. then have a right in the morning or at night whenever you were available. And like, that's a grind. It's a real grind trying to do that. Yeah. I mean, I look back on it and I go, if I could do anything differently, I would probably have spent more time writing, intently writing. But yeah, the people where people kind of tend to get their priorities and in, in a bit of a different organization. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I completely lost train of thought and hope to recover with a big word, so I'm going to start over. <laughs> I think where people get distracted is that they get caught up in doing the other things that enable them to work on their craft, and then over time they spend less and less time doing their craft until it becomes, it feels like when they go and do their craft, that's when they're going to to their job instead of the other way around. Yeah. And so I'm very, very defensive. I mean, and I don't care. I don't care if people don't like it. I don't care if people call me an asshole. I really don't. And I'm comfortable and confident in who I am. But, like, I don't wake up and write with anybody who doesn't want to wake up and write with me. Because if if I wake up in the morning and go, damn it, i got to write today. I'm out. I don't have to write. Why, why, would, I want, why would I want to go and, like, put myself through that? I, I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant. But, like, I do it because I love it. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to feel about and it. And I see so many people. And, look, this town's a motherfucker. It is. It will be, it will beat you. It will break you. It's it, not a matter of like it might. It will, but to me, I just see too many people kind of exist in this. They've lost their joy, and my joy is literally writing songs. And so, if I ever get any sniff of like negative negative energy around that, no, no matter where it comes from, even if it's from me, like some days I have to go. Hey man, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm gonna take today off because I'm not in the right headspace yeah. to waste your time or my time. But for whatever reason, we feel this pressure. Like, better get there at eleven and go to that dentist office down on Music Row. And by two o'clock, we're gonna leave and we're gonna have a song. That's bullshit. That's not how I write. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I look at it differently these days. Yeah. Well, when you, when you talk about the, um, the early days too, real, real quick, um, want to touch on this. The, the class of guys that had come in around that 2013-2014 time and, like, folks that were out on the road with road with you guys early on. I mean, you talk about our mutual buddies, Gary Gary Stanton and Charlie Muncaster from Muscadine. You talk about, like, Ray Fulcher, Drew Parker, like, the folks in, in that crew. What was it like, all you guys kind of creating together, like, writing together early on and just kind of that camaraderie as things started to really just the rocket ship started to kind of take off, you know? Yeah, I think everyone... If you hang around in Nashville long enough, everyone kind of seems to realize the uh, reality that everyone kind of has their team of people they create with, their circle, their group of friends. And it's really as simple as I always tell people that move to town, like my cousin just moved here recently, and I was like, just find people that you dig what they do. It's that simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Just get with people and... And at your level, 
you know, I like I remember moving to town and wondering why I could never get in a room with some of these guys. And it's like, now I get it. Them guys have devoted their entire lives. They're not going to go and pop in with old Robbie, who's been here for, you know, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, and, yeah, and, and and they have their guys that they, their guys or girls that they they already, they got to that point with, you know. Yeah. It seems to work a lot like that. To me, I always equate it to, so like Luke, for example. Luke and I used to write a lot more than we do now, but that's because now his time and, and his life is in a completely different place. And so one thing I'm very thankful for is that because we have such a trust, and trust is what it is, but because we have a trust in the writing room, we're, in, we're able to, as soon as we get in there, hit the ground running, and we kind of bypass a lot of the things because we've already put in the legwork on, on developing that kind of uh, trust and relationship in the writing room. And to me, the only way you develop that is over time with somebody. And so rarely, if ever, do I go into a writing room with somebody I don't know or that I've never met or that I've never written with and get great art. And I think you're silly if you think that that's how it works. You've got to develop the per like develop that relationship, get to know that person, get to know who they are, talk, talk about yeah. things that like you must trust them to talk about with, right? That's how I write, and you know I'm I'm very thankful to have a relationship with guys like Luke, guys like Drew, that I can you know our journey has been together over the past six or seven years, and we've kind of seen each other in different uh, capacities change and grow and to me that's uh, a beautiful thing when you get to make music with those people so uh I'm, yeah just thankful to, yeah. to have that and gary and charlie too like talk about i guess i met them guys 2016 2015 yeah what there. were yeah what were those road days like having guys like that out with you like because that that was your guys first taste of like headlining a tour right yeah that would have been the i guess the don't tempt me tour because it was after the Corey Smith stuff, was right? It? It's right behind you. 2017? Yeah. Yeah, 20, 2017. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was especially cool because it was like all our buddies. It was Ray, Josh Phillips, Fair and Rachels, uh, Muscadine, Drew was on some of them, Job. So it was like we were getting to go play all these you know theaters and clubs around the U.S. And it was, yeah, that was an awesome time. I, I'm, I've, I remember being out with Gary and Charlie the night that Porch Swing Angel had gone up on iTunes. We were, like, celebrating that or their EP. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, but, yeah, I need to hit them guys up. Yeah, they're, uh, they're I mean, because it's, it's uh, that that has to be cool, too, to, like, because everybody kind of started, started, like, started winning, and whether it was folks that were a part of, a part of it as writers or folks that were out on the road and all that stuff, so that's, that's freaking sick. I'm starting to, it's, it's cool now, I've been in town long enough where I'm starting to see that kind of happen, too, right. you know, or I, there's friends that I have that are, there's that, just excitement, like, when there's buzz around, buzz around folks, you know? So we've had Ashley McBride out with us now on two tours, she was out with the one, out with us on the one when the world shut down too um but she's a great example of because i remember i met ashley in 2007 i think we were playing her and she doesn't remember this uh we were playing around at blue bar oh shit mm -hmm. throwback 
And uh, I, so I watched her over the course of 10 years or so have a crew and, and a group of friends and songwriters. Uh, and same with Miranda Lambert and same with really any artist who writes their music, you're going to find that they have a camaraderie of a team around them no matter where you look. But I think Ashley's a great, great one to look at too, even with her band as well. Yeah. Her band's badass. Yeah, they are They are badass. I'm a big, big fan of what they do. So we always like to touch upon uh, touch upon food on here. You've been in town for a while. What are some of your go-to spaces? you a hot chicken guy? you more of a barbecue guy? Are you a Carolina barbecue purist where you won't fuck with Nashville barbecue because it ain't as good as it is in Gastonia? Or you like going to the Mexican restaurants? What's, what's Rowdy Rob's guide to eating uh, eating food here in the great city of Nashville, Tennessee? I am not your guy to ask. And here's why. I love Waffle House, baby. Oh, so you just keep it simple. Uh, but no, to answer your question, man, I'm not a hot chicken guy. Okay. I do love, there are a couple places around town that I love, but they're not like the conventional, like if people were to come here and go, where should I go eat? And I go, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, there's like a place called Sakura in Hermitage. Dude, yeah. It's just fire sushi. Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, you know what's really funny about that place? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed it. I don't know if it's always been there, but we had gone there um, a couple weeks ago. They have like an Italian pizza man at the front. It's like a hibachi, like really? Asian place. Uh-huh. And and front there's like there's it's a little like pizza chef, like a Mario, like a Mario, like a Mario Mario looking guy. I think now, yeah, yeah. Outside of yeah. a hibachi place, that's when you know it's good. <laughs> the, another, in Donaldson, there's a place called Los Tres Amigos. I'm giving away all my spots right now. Um, now, in town, I really like Whiskey Kitchen. Uh, Arnold's Country Kitchen off of 8th is pretty dope. I haven't been. I haven't even heard of Arnold's. Arnold's is right beside Gruen's Guitars. It's uh, just southern food. It's not really like a menu. It's like, here's what we're having today kind of thing. Oh, what would you like? I, I like places like that. Yeah. That's my kind of speed. Uh, I'm not, dude, now that I've kind of moved out here in the country, I cook a little bit more. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get into that. What's um, what's your what's your big big thing? Like, yo, you got to come over and try this. I, again, I'm not your guy. However, I love cooking breakfast. Okay. Any kind of breakfast. That's probably to do with your Waffle House love. Maybe. Maybe. I do love Cracker Barrel, too. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, people are like, well, what's some of the best spots to go eat around Nashville? I'm like, well, I just, oh, Loveless Cafe. Well, where's that at? You've never been to Loveless Cafe? I don't think I've been there. I've been here three years now. I ain't never been. Dude, okay. This is one that, like, I'm a big, I don't get into the hype of anything for the sheer reason that other people are hype about it. And I know that's more of a commentary on me. Yeah. (laughs) But Loveless is worth all the hype. It's out. It's in the west part of town off the Notches Trace. It's beautiful out there. It's this old cafe that's been there since the 50s. They Their biscuits are what they're known for, but they have everything. It's just, it's a romantic, charming little place to go. I mean, you go for breakfast, go for lunch, dinner, it don't matter. But I would highly recommend you checking that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to check that out because I'm a big biscuits guy, and 
I've uh, I've learned especially hitting some uh, some random spots now because I never thought I'd spend as much time in the deep south. Like me coming right. from New York, I never thought I would ever spend like half my time in the state of Alabama or Mississippi or any That's of that. Hilarious, dude. Um, I just love. I, I'm a big fan of the country cooking. You know, also it's, vinegar it's based is far superior. I'm not saying that I don't like the sweet and tangy in the Kentucky or uh, Kansas, the the Midwest. Barbecue. I'm not saying that I got anything against well, it. Billy Bob's food is fire, though. It is like the Billy Bob's but barbecue is good, like, but it ain't. Our barbecue with like the vinegar based is, in my opinion, there's different kinds of barbecue. Like they do it in Memphis, pretty good too. But dang, you can't touch us. Ain't nobody fucking with us in Carolina <laughs> on barbecue. I'm sorry. That's just how plug, I feel about plug, it. Plug the hometown barbecue joint. Oh, uh, Kyle. There's a couple. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> Kyle Fletcher. Run through them. Run through them. Kyle Fletcher's. And R.O.'s Barbecue. From there, I mean, there's a lot of others, but I would hit up those two if you're ever going through Gastonia. Then what's what's your um, late-night, post-gig, Rowdy Rob Waffle House order? I know you got one. I do. And usually people are surprised by it. It's pork chop and eggs, hash browns. Some other cover, Captain Chuck. Pork chop? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen somebody get a pork chop at Waffle House. I get this a lot. Pork chop and eggs, egg scrambled, uh, hash browns, some other cover, Captain Chuck. Yeah. Doing the, all the way. Is yeah. there another option besides those four? Or yeah. is that everything? No, What's the fit? The, the chili. Oh, yeah. I, I want to fuck with, I don't know if I could do the chili on there. Yeah. That's that's all. That's freaking. That's awesome. Yeah, because I know you are a big Waffle House guy. That's freaking dope, man. Well, dude. Um, I guess one last thing. Um, let's run through a couple, couple just, just quick hitters. Um, so favorite songwriter of all time. Oh, cool. We'll get into these questions. <laughs> my favorite songwriter of all time. Yeah, man. You know what's crazy? I don't just nobody jumped off the page for me right now. In my head, which means that I could have brain damage. Okay, your biggest oh shit, I got to co-write well, with X Y Z. Let me let me again try to dissect this because this this question is hard for me. I love guys like Eric Church, John Mayer, Rob Thomas. Like I'm a huge Mayer nut, obviously. Those guys to me are songwriters too, right? But then I try to go, all right, who's my favorite songwriter? A guy named Bernie Taupin. He you know he wrote a bunch of songs with Elton John. Love that stuff. Guy named Dean Dillon. Yeah. Dean Dillon. The man. If you're not familiar, wrote a lot of the George Strait stuff. uh, A song called The Chair, which I think is one of the most epic. Tony Lane is one of my favorite songwriters. Uh, George Strait Run, uh, Letters from Home, John Michael Montgomery. Um, That one's really tough for me. But I think if I had to, if I could write with anybody. If I could write with anybody. It would probably be Rob Thomas. <clears throat> okay, um, your uh, favorite um, was your favorite topping to get on a slice of pizza. All of them. All of them. Mm-hmm. You a pineapple on pizza guy? No. Okay, good. I was gonna. That's say. not a topping, so I don't. I don't even consider it. All right, good. A real good. topping. There's some pineapple pizza eating motherfuckers out here. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not look, a fan, dude. Here's how I feel. If you want to do that with your life, you do that, but keep that pizza far away from mine. That's, that's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that 100%. Um, what's your best score in uh, Golden Tee? Uh, I think 21 up 
21 or 22 under. Holy shit. How, how, how the hell did you pull that off? Oh, no. You, you mentioned Josh <laughs> Phillips earlier. Josh Phillips out here shooting 24 under, I'm sure. Jeez, jeez. Um, you're, uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? I, I don't even answer questions <laughs> like this. Also, we have a guy out on the road with us. His name is Zeus. Zeus? Yeah, Michael Zuso. Recently got married. Shout out, Mr. and Mrs. Zuso. Uh, he, he posed this question on the road years ago to me. And it became a the whole tour debated about it. A uh, hot dog is, in fact, yes, it is a sandwich. It's in between, yeah, the bread. Yeah. It is a sandwich. Yeah. Oh, for uh, for sure. Um, and then um, for uh, for the last one, who's your foxhole buddy? What does that mean? Like, if you're trapped in a foxhole, like we're talking World War Two, uh, World at War, Call of Duty, you're in the foxhole. Who's there with you? Who's getting you out? Luke. Luke. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh. Because he's the most loyal motherfucker I know. Hell yeah. And truthfully. Hell yeah. Yeah, so he's he would be the guy. Badass, dude. Fuck yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you doing this. We usually end it with our guests playing a song. Are you cool playing something for us? Yeah, man. I don't know if you would be cool with me playing something, but I, I would try. Are you kidding me? Dude, of course. I've been, I've been wanting to get an episode with you for a long time, and uh, I appreciate all the support you show us with our writer's rounds, too, man. That oh, yeah, man. means a lot, because you, you've been doing this thing for a while, and... And it mean, it means a lot when we have guys, we have folks like yourself uh, come out and play, and uh, and to the we like uh, to asking when we have the uh, when we have our our four people that we have like bring bring their people, you know, that's the way we like to do it. And you've you've always brought us some ridiculous lineups, so we're very thankful for that, man. Really appreciate yeah, you, yeah, man. Really appreciate you, bro, and letting us in the observatory here. Um, ready to ready to hang out with our girl Lucille. Um, oh yeah, and, we got uh, Lucille in the house. We today. got Lucille in the house, and uh, ready to play some Golden Tea, man. But um, if you want to sing, great. If not, no biggie, too. You know, it's up to you. <clears throat> yeah, just now I got to figure out what I'm gonna do. What are you gonna do? I, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's not like you don't have some hits to choose from, you know. Mm. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> That's true. Well, well, um, let's. Well, I'll play. I'll play a song. I don't know. I'm just gonna grab a guitar and play whatever, whatever strikes me. I still don't know yet. That sounds great. Well, while Rob figures that out, thank you guys as always for listening to the In the Round podcast. Um, Another great episode. This is actually episode 69, which is cool. I thought Ryan. I thought Ryan Nelson was gonna. Sorry, Ryan. I thought Ryan Nelson was gonna be episode 69, but he was 68. So episode. He was one number away. He was he was one number away. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, y'all make sure to check out our man, Rob Williford. You can find him on Instagram. It is RowdyRob74. Uh, I'm guessing that's an old baseball, basketball, something number. Um, but uh, you can look up RowdyRob. Um, check out. He does um, have a song out, and uh, you can always catch him. Playing sometimes playing all rounds. Um, he's an awesome, awesome songwriter, a great guy, great guitar player, and just one of our best buds here in Nashville, Tennessee. Very thankful to have him. Shout out, of course, again to the sponsors, our friends at Saxman Studios, Grady Saxman, longtime buddy of the program, Whale Tail Media, um, our boy Wales and the Content Kings over there. We love them. And, uh, of course, Trailside CBD with the tasty Delta 8 THC and CBD. They even got shit for your dogs. Check them out, trailsidecbd.com. 
promo code ITR, 20% off. Thank you again for listening. Make sure you leave a review. Five stars only, baby. And we will see you tomorrow night at our round over at Live Oak Music Row. Now that further ado, it's our boy Rowdy Rob Williford playing us some songs. Y'all have been listening to the In The Round podcast. I drive slow So the miles ain't so blurry I don't know Why everybody's in such a hurry I hit the brakes more than the gas Got no reason for going fast And that guy behind me, man, he damn sure knows I drive Slow like that sun comes up in the country in the morning Like that brisket in the backyard Out there just smoking I don't care that it takes me twice as long Getting where I'm going Keep my windows down A little static on the radio And I drive slow Take the good ones with the bad ones and let them go. I let that weight roll off my shoulders. I don't fly, I just coast. Hand in the wind, waving as I go. Slow like that sun comes up in the country in the morning. Like that brisket in the backyard. Out there just a smoking. I don't care that it takes me twice as long Getting where I'm going I keep my windows down A little static on the radio And I drive slow Easily I roll slow Down that open road Slow like them big old cotton clouds up floating over Slow like that John boat with that yard sale trolling motor I don't care that it takes me twice as long Getting where I'm going Keep my windows down a little static on the radio And that guy behind me, man, he damn sure knows I drive slow I drive slow